raise a spoon to Grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the Play Play Slide. Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And participate in McDonald's for a limited time. Raise a spoon to Grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the Play Play Slide. Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And participate in McDonald's for a limited time. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Live from the heartland and the crossroads of America, it's Tony Katz today. Well, good afternoon and welcome to Tony Cast Today. I'm Guy Relford in for Tony as he's getting ready for Thanksgiving. I have to tell you, I have to, to give credit where credit is due. As soon as I get out of the show here today, uh, right about 3 o'clock, I'm running home to put a brisket in the smoker. And, uh, and that's, all, that's all a direct r- a result of conversations I've had with Tony Katz. And, and in fact, I'll, I'll tell you that story specifically. That is that I met Tony uh, for uh, a, a bourbon and a cigar, and at least I was having bourbon, and, uh, and met Tony for a cigar, and he brought me a copy of his book, the Let's Go Barbecue. And uh, I already had Let's Go Bourbon, and uh, he brought me a copy of the book and, and was gracious and signed it and the whole deal, and I took it home. Uh, after uh, we we uh, enjoyed our cigar, read it that night, and I had never owned a smoker in my life, and I'd done a lot of grilling, and and I was under the misimpression that that grilling was barbecuing. I mean, I always thought those terms were synonymous, and if I recall correctly, in about the first three sentences of Tony's book, he uh, lays. Uh, lays that out as misinformation and says no and it, it, it explicitly barbecuing is uh, something different than grilling barbecuing is smoking and which was fascinating to me and I had no idea I then read the rest of his book and as I finished it I set it down and and I was right there with my wife and I looked over and I said honey I'm going to go buy a smoker because I was infatuated. Because in, and the, the the food that comes out of a smoker after barbecue I'm we're talking about brisket and ribs and, and any number of other things, uh, things like smoked chicken, and, and I'm actually smoking turkey for Thanksgiving, uh, along with a brisket. But I love that kind of food, and it's something I'll go in search of, and I love frequenting Indianapolis's many great barbecue places, especially on the north side, man. There's some fabulous barbecue places, but I, had, but I never cooked that way, and I never owned a smoker, so I, I went out the very next day after reading Tony's book and bought a smoker, and... Uh, I've been smoking like crazy since then, and uh, any number of things. My current favorite is burn ends, and I've done them both with brisket, and I've made them from chuck roast, what they call poor man's burn ends. If you haven't had burn ends, I'm telling you, it's something that's absolute fa- absolutely fabulous. My wife calls it meat candy. Uh, 
which is Matt Bear's name on Tinder, I think, actually, now that I think about it. But uh, they are absolutely fabulous, and uh, and any number of other things. Uh, smoked a salmon, which was unbelievably good. Things I've enjoyed in restaurants, but now I'm making it at home. So this year, for the first time ever for Thanksgiving, both the uh, brisket and the turkey are going to be smoked this year. You heard it right here. So if it's a colossal failure... Of course, we'll not talk about it on the radio because I never admit my colossal failures on the radio. But secondly, um, I have only Tony Cast to blame because he clearly did not educate me sufficiently um, in in his book. But uh, it, to the contrary, actually, it's a great book. It's very informative. I enjoyed it, and I've gotten a lot out of it. I still go back and consult it. I'll still go back and say, all right, wait a minute. What was that recipe for a brine I need to put my brisket in before I smoke it? Uh, and... Uh, any number of other handy references. So I don't do all this to plug Tony's book necessarily, other than to say it's directly influencing uh, my Thanksgiving this year, and I'm looking forward to it. And based on everything else I've cooked out of, out of the smoker uh, since I got it this spring, I'm, 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 I'm optimistic. Big news coming out of uh, Israel, obviously, is the truce. And, and listen, I'm going to withhold judgment on this, but it's a, a temporary truce, if you've, as you've heard our WIBC newsroom uh, discuss. It's four days for right now. It's at least four days because in exchange of these four days of a lull is how it's being described in the fighting. Hamas is going to release 50 hostages. Part of the deal also uh, is, is that for every additional 10 hostages that are re- released after that 50, Israel will extend the ceasefire another another day and by last count that i saw there were 240 reported hostages being held by hamas which does apparently include a handful of americans as well and obviously it's a priority to get those hostages freed and safe and out of the hands of the terrorists at hamas and for that reason i have no reason to criticize this deal it will be interesting to me to see how it unfolds and whether Israel regrets uh, not keeping uh, the pedal to the metal in terms of how this uh, assault and and how the attempt to free those hostages through force and how the attempt to essentially eradicate Hamas and remove Hamas completely from Gaza, which has been the announced intention from day one after the invasion, a terrorist invasion of Hamas to begin with that killed hundreds and hundreds of, of innocent Jewish citizens and settlers. So we'll have to see how that unfolds. And and one thing that I've been watching very closely and with interest is, is really how this is played out, given the fact that, despite the fact that Israel has mandatory military service, I mean, you finish high school, essentially, and you do a couple of years in the IDF, the Israeli Defense Force. And Israel has uh, that mandatory military service, as you would expect from a country surrounded uh, by its enemies and, and people sworn to the eradication of the country and 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 the murder of its citizens. Uh, despite the fact that they have that mandatory military service, they also nearly completely deny the right to possess a firearm by private citizens. And yes, you see, you see ladies in, in dresses walking around with an AR-15 over their shoulder, but that's because they're a member of IDF. And they're even required to, to have their firearm with them when they're off duty, but they're a member of the military force, the IDF, there in Israel. That's why you see folks in civilian clothing walking around with AR-15s. Private citizens who are no longer in the IDF or not yet in the IDF don't have that right to possess a firearm. And I had to think about that fact 
when you saw uh, doors being kicked in and people being drug out of their homes and people being taken hostage and 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 all the other horrific events that we saw unfold in Gaza. And and listen, you know, w- would I with with my rifle um, uh, be able to to uh, prevent uh, multiple terrorists, an entire group of terrorists kicking in my door, coming in, uh, killing me, kidnapping me, kidnapping my family? I, I don't have that illusion necessarily. But if all my neighbors were armed, and if 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 a terrorist organization knew, in fact, that we were an armed populace and knew, in fact, that we had the capacity to defend ourselves as private citizens, not a member of the military force, would that have had any effect on the decision to kick in all those doors to begin with and to take all those hostages hostages to begin with? That, I think, is an interesting question. Moving on from there, and I'll tell you, after this break, we're going to have uh, FOP President Rick Snyder join us. There has been some criticism of... Indianapolis uh, police, IMPD in particular, talking about the number of police action shootings that we've seen, officer-involved shooting, I think is a better term. And, and we've seen uh, members of the local clergy, local, local community organizations come out and, and, and criticize IMPD because we've had 16 officer-involved shootings this year. And that's up from last year. And, and, they've, and, and, and the implicit Criticism, in my mind, is that IMPD is doing something wrong or is being overly aggressive or using deadly force when they're not justified in doing so. Now, no one's been that explicit, but it, it, but just below the surface, that seems to be the criticism. Well, what is that criticism? Is, is there any valid basis to it? And what's the response from the Fraternal Order of Police through their president, Rick Snyder? That's what we'll go into uh, when we come back. Right now, we're taking a break. This is Guy Relford in for Tony Katz on Tony Katz Today. And welcome back. I'm Guy Relford in for Tony Katz on Tony Katz today as Tony's uh, getting just a little bit of time off uh, to get ready for Thanksgiving tomorrow. Like me, as I mentioned at the top of the show, I'm sure Tony's cooking and uh, smoking in particular. Uh, and that's, uh, uh, that's something I'm looking forward to. Right now, I want to talk about uh, officer-involved shootings here in Indianapolis. And uh, yes, they are up to some degree. There have been 16 officer-involved shootings this year. Um, that's up from historical averages. And, and as part of that, we've seen uh, some criticism and com- at least commentary uh, from folks out in the community, in- including uh, this from Reverend David Green of the uh, Concerned Clergy. We can't go down this slippery slope of continuing to see police action shootings at this volume, because that will ultimately lead to more distrust of between community and policing. And, and, and I got to tell you, I heard that quote, and, and the first thing I thought of was uh, talking uh, to my friend uh, Rick Snyder from the Fraternal Order of Police, uh, who joins me uh, on uh, uh, the hotline as we speak. And, and Rick, first of all, welcome. I appreciate you coming on today. Yeah, thanks for having me. But you know, my my first thought, Rick, in in hearing a quote like that, and, and you've heard a lot more uh, of that, and and even a little more um, aggressive rhetoric, 
and and you know my first thought is when when an officer is is facing a situation where you know someone's drawn a gun and is and is beginning to point it at that officer or or someone has a knife and they're charging at that police officer he's not thinking about a slippery slope and and the trust of the community he's thinking about saving his or her life in that moment and 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 I got to believe that some of this criticism is frustrating uh, for uh, for your members, and particularly those uh, on the IMPD. Well, it does frustrate our officers. Uh, you know, Reverend Green, I consider a friend. He and I go way back, but I fear this statement. And uh, once the uh, implications were understood from after hearing it, I think Reverend Green was just simply trying to remain relevant in the community. You know, here's the point with especially our faith leaders. You have a vital role to play here, and one of those vital roles is to be talking to your congregants and folks throughout the neighborhoods about the importance of abiding by the law and also following directions of officers. When we talk about the increased number of officer-involved shootings, it's important to remember that when we say, oh, my gosh, I can't believe we've had 16 shootings involving the police, remember those are 16 incidents where we could have had a dead cop. And what would we be saying then? So our officers are out there doing what they're supposed to be doing. Uh, They are doing their job. They're interrupting violent offenders. Think about many of these incidents involve firearms and the illegal use of firearms. Mm -hmm. Many of them involved, uh, the latest one involved the suspect uh, that uh, in a number of guns being stolen in the Broad Ripple area. And uh, our officers are up there trying to intervene and interrupt these cycles of violence. Yet we are chasing the same repeat violent offenders. That's why in my last uh, video message that I just put out on Twitter, at Rick FOP 86, I made very clear there are some simple solutions. And one of those is for repeat violent offenders, lock their asses up. Yeah, and, and when we say that, Rick, we're talking about a number of things, I would think. First of all, once they're arrested... And, and officers at IMPD or, or whatever agency we're talking about, whatever department we're talking about, do their jobs and get folks off the street and violent offenders off the street, it seems to me off, an awful lot of them uh, are right back on the street You know, within a few hours even after uh, violent crimes they're accused of uh, based on the, the bond structure and, and the way bonds are imposed in Marion County, which has always has always struck me as not being uh, sufficient in that I don't know that there's a thorough review of criminal histories in every instance before someone is necessarily kicked out on bond. And uh, I, I'm curious if, if that's part of it. And then it goes on from there because it's not just the bond schedule. It's also plea deals and, and, and sentencing and any number of other issues. But but what when you say you know lock their asses up, that involves a number of different facets of the criminal justice system, doesn't it? Well, it also involves the second component, which is, and keep their asses locked up. Well, exactly. That's the key, right? And so to your point, that's what we find is that uh, that is the truth. Uh, the people in the black robes sitting behind the tall, high benches in a courtroom who never have to face these deadly threats that our officers are facing, they won't come out and publicly admit that when we make the arrests, oftentimes the criminal histories of the very violent offenders that we have arrested and brought before them Their criminal histories are not reviewed before a judge makes a decision to release them back into our neighborhoods. Anyone who looks at that says, number one, Rick, you must be exaggerating. That can't be true. It absolutely is. And proof positive is that so many of these folks are let back out into our neighborhoods. We're uh, having to track them down again or uh, being threatened by them or having to, God forbid, be involved in an officer-involved shooting. 
and we realize they should have never been out. How does that keep happening? When we ask those questions, your judges go into hiding and refuse to answer that question. But, Guy, look, it's not just us raising those questions. The superintendent of all of the state police in Indiana, who oversees all of police in the state of Indiana, has also said he does not have confidence in what they are doing. He made that very publicly clear in the past few months. And what happened? They came down. They came out collectively and condemned the leader of all of the state police for having the audacity to question their performance. We're in a very dangerous cycle, my friend, and it's time that we start making a change. And these outcomes are proof positive of it. So to Reverend Green and the other critics out there, I say jump in the game. Start talking about the importance of compliance when uh, individuals are receiving lawful commands by our officers. Comply and don't die. Damn sure don't go and reach for a gun, reach in your waistband, reach under the seat, do any of those things. Suddenly raise your hand and point it at the officers as though you have a gun or with a gun. It is not going to work out well. And we should expect nothing else from our officers than to defend their lives and go back home safely to their families every night. You know, another another statistic, Rick, that you first shared with me, I believe on my show, and, and I did not know this at the time, and it was mind-boggling to me, and that is that Indianapolis leads the country, and this is not per capita, this is in, in total gross numbers, in the people released with ankle monitors, released from jail, um, either pending uh, trial or uh, as part of their sentence, um, when they're on, in community corrections or otherwise, but, the, but we, Marion County has more people out on ankle monitors than, than any, any other city in the country, I mean, more than L.A., more than New York, more than Chicago. And, and, and how much do your members, your IMPD officers, see violent offenders commit crimes where they're out but still have an ankle monitor on or they've, they've pried it off and left it back in the home and, and nobody's sounding the alarm to go chase these people down? Well, that's exactly right. We checked uh, in Los Angeles at the time when we called out there. They had 434 people on electronic monitoring. They said, how, and now listen, their population's 10 times the size of Indianapolis. They said, how many do you guys have on it? We said 4,300. Wow. They said, you're going to get somebody killed. We said, we are. That's happening time and time again. In fact, we've, it's been suggested to us that if you took Los Angeles, New York City, and Chicago combined, we would still have more people on electronic monitoring than all three of them. And then we wonder why we're seeing these things that we're seeing and why we point to the revolving door. And listen, Indianapolis is still outpacing Chicago in homicides per capita right now, right this very moment. Yet your elected officials pat themselves on the back and try to suggest that our our violence is going down when we still have over 200 plus people losing their lives to violence for a fourth year in a row. And finally, Guy, I want to share this. There is a war on cops. That is why you're seeing an increased number of these incidents in Indianapolis, but also across our country. These are the latest stats as of right now. 331 officers have been shot performing their jobs. 40 of those officers have been killed by gunfire. That's just gunfire. That doesn't include being ran by cars, ran over by cars like Trooper Smith on the west side. It doesn't include edged weapons or other things. 40 have been killed by gunfire. But here's the real concerning number. 124 officers have been shot in 102 separate ambush-style attacks. Mm. And the number of officers shot in the line of duty this year is up 27% over that in 2020, which we all know was a very violent year. There is a war on cops. 
and your officers in Indianapolis, and unfortunately the residents of the city, are stuck in the middle. And, and, and I'll, I'll ask you this last, Rick, and I, I really appreciate your time today. You know, something I think about a lot, whether it's in the context of, you know, this criticism over officer-involved shootings, uh, whether it's the, the the war on cops that you just mentioned, um, you know, whether it was when we had officers who really tried to do their job uh, during the riots uh, in, uh, as Hammer and Nigel say, the summer of love uh, with riots going on. Um, you know, where officers actually got prosecuted who were really just trying to do their job. I worry a lot about the morale of our IMPD officers, um, and especially when they're facing a criticism that I think I consider to be unjustified. What, where is that morale right now, and, and, and how, are you, how are your officers feeling? There is no morale, Guy. We uh, actually did a climate survey in which we saw the worst levels of morale in the history of our police department, and that's done nothing but gotten worse since we did that climate survey. Uh, those same officers also voted no confidence in this prosecutor who has been, uh, as you pointed out, participating in predatory prosecution of officers doing their job and also no confidence in these courts that keep spinning the revolving door faster and faster. Something has to change. Something has to give. And it's not going to be your officers. Uh, well, hey, Rick, thanks so much for joining us. We're up against a hard break. This is Guy Relford in for Tony Katz. Raise a spoon to Grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the Play Play Slide. Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And participate in McDonald's for a limited time. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. On Tony Cast today. Welcome back. I'm Guy Relford, sitting in today for Tony Katz. Pleasure to be here in the chair. Uh, During the week, uh, my show on WIBC in Indianapolis uh, airs Saturdays, uh, 5 to 7 p.m. It's called The Gun Guy Show. We talk about Second Amendment issues. And in fact, I'm going to get into a couple Second Amendment-related issues uh, here on the show today. Since I have the platform, I'm going to take advantage of it. But before we do, we'll talk uh, a little bit more about what Rick Snyder mentioned. And again, thanks to Rick Snyder, uh, FOP president, that's Fraternal Order of Police uh, President, Lodge 86, which includes uh, all law enforcement. It's not just IMPD. It's state, local, and federal law enforcement officers. This is the rank and file. And I think that's important to note because a lot of times uh, we hear the media talk about, well, police support this or you know, police are asking for that. And I, and I always want to make the point that you really need to, to, in my mind, separate out what we're hearing from appointed officials, people like uh, police chiefs, uh, including the chief here of IMPD, um, or or at the uh, state police level, Superintendent Doug Carter, who I consider a good friend, and uh, and and we we certainly do not agree on on many different issues, uh, but we also agree on a lot. And uh, I, I, even since the, the fight over constitutional carry that we just got passed last year, 
where I was one of its leading advocates, and I was at every committee hearing testifying, not only as a private citizen, but on behalf of my organization called the 2A Project, which is a 501c4 nonprofit uh, gun rights group. And we were there fighting uh, very hard, as we had been doing for 10 years. At least I had been. The 2A Project hadn't been around that long. But uh, I've certainly been fighting for constitutional carry for 10 years. Doug Carter uh, strenuously opposed it and, and was very vocal in doing so. And so we butted heads in the different committee hearings. But you know what? We, we always shook hands both before and after. And we, we can uh, you know, share a, a breakfast, as we've done since then, and talk about any number of different issues. And, and, and he's a good man, and I think he does a good job as superintendent of state police. And we don't need to necessarily agree on everything. Uh, to still have a solid relationship. But um, I also always want to separate out what we hear from appointed officials. And and to some degree, you know, people, for instance, Doug Carter reports to the governor and is on the, the governor's cabinet. Uh, the police chief is, you know, named here internally by city leaders in, leaders in, in, in Indianapolis. Uh, but I always want to say, let's also talk to the rank and file. That's why I always want to, uh, to get uh, Rick Snyder's view on things. He represents that rank and file officer. For instance, we've heard over and over, well, police oppose constitutional carry. And again, if you're not familiar with that term, that, that means, simply means permitless carry, where I say, hey, look, the Constitution gives me the right to keep and bear arms. Bear means carry. So if I have a constitutional right to carry a firearm, why do I need to go back to the government and ask permission to exercise a right I already have? In fact, a somewhat tongue-in-cheek statement, it, it's maybe tongue-in-cheek, but it's no less true, is saying that a license is simply the process by which you buy back a right you already had. And that's exactly true when it comes to a handgun license, which we still have in Indiana. There's just not a requirement that you have one. There are still a lot of reasons to have one. And uh, I've devoted a whole shows on that uh, on Saturdays. But um, in, in, in going through that, we hear, well, police oppose constitutional care. Well, really, who? who, who what police are we talking about? Because, for instance, FOP, through Rick Snyder, here in Indianapolis, have come out with various proposals for decreasing crime in Marion County in Indianapolis. And they've, and they've had a number of things that they've, they've voiced specifically. They, they strongly supported the license plate reader system where people fleeing a crime scene could potentially be identified. The gunshot detection system they advocated for. They've talked about, as Rick and I talked about, a revision to the, the bond schedule. The bonds being set in ways where people with violent criminal histories are still back out on the street relatively quickly with relatively low bonds. And that's a com fairly complex system. Um, but obviously there, there, are, there are improvements that can be made. But IMPD and through FOP has come out with a number of different proposals. You know what those proposals have never included? More laws. More laws. We had both mayoral candidates, Jefferson Shreve and Joe Hogsett. Obviously election won almost 60-40 by Hogsett. But both of those came out and said, well, we, we need more laws. We need the ability to pass ordinances here in the city of Indianapolis in order to cut down on these murder rates. IMPD, FOPs never proposed any of the same things. They want to do away with constitutional carry or permitless carry here in Marion County. They've already passed an ordinance that says exactly that. Not just that. The ordinance says they're going to do away with all concealed carry of firearms completely in Marion County. 
They want to raise the age to buy any firearm to 21. The law on that is today to buy a gun from a dealer, to buy a long gun, a rifle or a shotgun, you only have to be 18. To To buy a handgun from a dealer, you have to be 21. That's federal law. Indianapolis has no ability to change that, but they they want to pass an ordinance here. In fact, they have passed an ordinance here. It's not in effect yet, and I'll talk more about that in a minute. But they've passed it. It says, well, even in Marion County, to buy a rifle or a shotgun, you have to be 21 years old. So consider that. So, so I can be 18, 19, 20. I can be eligible for military service. I can join the military. I can go off to a foreign land, be given a select fire, what is essentially a machine gun, to carry with me every day. I can put my life on the line carrying that machine gun. I can operate a tank or an artillery unit or a drone. I can do any number of things and handle any number of deadly weapons, put my life on the line, put myself in harm's way for the defense of my country, come back to my country. And if I live in Marion County, Jefferson Shreve, and Joe Hogsett would have you come back to a situation where I can't walk into a local gun store and buy a shotgun to go hunting with my dad. I'm 20 years old. I just did two years in Iraq or Afghanistan. And I can't buy a shotgun in a gun store. And the current mayor, Joe Hogsett, and the Republican candidate would tell you that's going to keep Marion County citizens safer. Obviously, that's nonsense. And keep in mind this fact, that all Marion County can do is pass an ordinance. They can't pass a criminal statute that puts people in jail. The state can do that. The federal government can do that. The city of Indianapolis and other local governments in Indiana cannot do that. That's a matter of the Indiana Constitution. So they can pass an ordinance. What happens when you violate an ordinance? You get fined. So the mayor of Indianapolis is telling you, and the city county council, because they passed this garbage, they're telling you that a violent criminal who's intent on committing a murder, and we're going to talk about where the murder numbers are over the last number of years. We'll do that after this next break. But they are telling you, the city county council of Indianapolis and, and Mayor Joe Hogson are telling you that a violent criminal, what's that's just Let's use a specific example. I'm a drug dealer, and I'm upset that I have a rival drug dealer who I think is, is, is trying to take over my territory. And I've decided I'm going to murder him in a drive-by shooting. I'm going to take my AK-47 that I'm already illegally in possession of because I have multiple felony convictions, but I don't care about that. I don't care about 10 years in federal prison. I don't care about 20 years in Indiana prison. I'm carrying my illegal firearm. And I'm going to I'm going to commit a drive-by shooting and kill my rival drug dealer. So I'm in the process of loading up my AK-47 to commit a drive-by murder in Indianapolis to contribute to the 200 plus murders we have every year. At the last second I'm going to go, "Hold on. There's a new ordinance in Marion County. I could get fined." If I'm caught with my AK-47, because, oh, by the way, the other leg on, on uh, of that plan, under the ordinance that's already been passed, is they're going to ban so-called assault weapons, quote-unquote, would include things like the AR-15, the AK-47. 
So hold on. Wait a minute. I'm not afraid of the death penalty for committing a murder with aggravating circumstances or doing 60 years in prison for murder. I'm not afraid of 20 years in prison for even possessing the firearm to begin with. I'm not afraid of any of those penalties. I'm not afraid of dying in a shootout with my rival drug dealer who sees me coming. No, no, none of that phases me a bit, but I'm going to say, hold on. I can't take my AK-47 and commit this murder I was otherwise planning because the city of Indianapolis is going to find me. What thinking person believes that would ever happen in a million years? You take a million violent criminals in a million potentially criminal situations and not one single time would that ever happen. Now, who cares about a fine? And by the way, the maximum fine for the first offense of an ordinance violation in Marion County is $2,500. Okay. Who cares about $2,500 fine? Do I care? Hell yeah, I care. That's a big hit. It's more than my mortgage payment. I care about a $2,500 fine. If you're a law-abiding citizen, you care about a $2,500 fine. So who's going to be affected by this ordinance? Well, we are. Well, who are we? We're law-abiding citizens. Are we the ones committing the 200-plus murders in Marion County every year? Of course not. Is the violent criminal on his way to do a drive-by shooting to kill his rival drug dealer? Does he care about a $2,500 fine? Hell no. He doesn't care about life in prison. So the criminals are going to ignore it completely. Law-abiding citizens are going to be affected by it. Is Indianapolis now more safe? Yes, that's a rhetorical question, but it's got a pretty obvious answer. Get both of these idiots running for mayor, and yeah, the, the election's over for a couple of weeks now. That was a platform in their election campaign? And they believe the voters in Marion County are really that stupid? Or is it simply a matter of them being able to stand up and say, no, hold on, I'm tough on gun, gun crime. Look what I'm doing. I'm, I'm trying to get something done to keep people safer. How about following up on all the recommendations from your rank-and-file IMPD officers? They've got ideas, and none of them are passing silly ordinances that no criminal in the history of criminals is ever going to abide by. I've got suggestions. Rick Snyder has suggestions. There are things to be done. How about prevention? How about increased funding of mental health care? There's an idea. How many of the people who have had, who have been involved in officer-involved shootings, of the 16 officer-involved shootings in IMPD this year, how many of those people, and I do not know the answer to this, how many were going through a mental health crisis of some kind? How many could have been helped in some way through mental health treatment that would have prevented the entire confrontation that led to them being shot? Of the other 200-plus murders, how many of those people had known mental health issues that went untreated because of how little resources we put into mental health treatment in Marion County? But see, that's hard. That's a hard thing to fix. Just walk around Monument Circle. Walk around the four, five, six-block area around Monument Circle. I'm doing the show right now for Monument Circle. I'm down here all the time. I'm down here every weekend to do my show. I'm down in Marion County doing... Uh, my job as a lawyer in the new Justice Center. I'm downtown a lot. I meet crazy people 
you see walking around downtown. And again, I don't say crazy with any anger in my heart. People with serious mental health issues. How many of those people you see walking around downtown and they're untreated? So there are things we can do. None of them involve passing more silly ordinances. They're going to affect law-abiding citizens. They have no effect whatsoever on criminals, terrorists, psychopaths, and people in, in, in a mental health crisis. Yes, there are things that can be done. Yes, FOP has suggestions. Yes, resources is part of it. But it's not passing silly laws that are not going to affect anyone. Right now, we're way past the three-quarter hours. Time to take a break. This is Guy Relford in for Tony Katz on Tony Cast Today. And welcome back. Uh, pleasure to be here. I'm Guy Relford in for Tony Katz on Tony Cast Today. I mentioned before the break that this ordinance that the city county council has passed and it would again ban so-called assault weapons in Marion County it would prohibit all concealed carry of firearms in Marion County it would roll back constitutional carry and require a handgun license to carry a handgun in Marion County and by the way you put those two things together well you have to have a handgun license to carry a handgun but you can't carry it concealed if you put those two provisions of the ordinance together. So I can carry my handgun, but it's got to be openly. Is that really what these people want? They want me to openly carry my handgun around downtown. Okay. Uh, well, no, it's not okay because they shouldn't have any ability to tell me how I carry my handgun as a local government. I'll tell you exactly why here in a second. But the last one is raise the age to buy any firearm in Marion County to 21, even though today you can buy a rifle or a, a shotgun at 18. But it's not in effect yet. And the reason it's not in effect yet is because we have something called the Indiana Firearms Preemption Act. And the Indiana Firearms Preemption Act says that outside very limited exceptions, local governments simply can't regulate firearms, can't regulate the carrying of firearms, such as requiring a handgun license in one particular county or prohibiting concealed carry. They can't regulate commerce in firearms. For instance, requiring someone to be 21 to buy a pistol or, excuse me, a rifle or a shotgun. It says they cannot do it. It's illegal. And if they try to do it, they can be sued. And I've filed a number of lawsuits under this statute successfully. And it's got teeth. You can collect as liquidated damages four times your attorney's fees against a local government who violates this thing. So they put in their ordinance that it's not effective yet unless and until the Indiana General Assembly amends or repeals the Indiana Firearms Preemption Act so as to allow that ordinance to go into effect. Well, guess what? Senator Fadi Kadura from District 30, here representing the, the, the north side of Indianapolis, what did he introduce just last week? He hasn't filed it yet because the General Assembly session hasn't started. But he floated around the media. In fact, Fox 59 did an interview with me to discuss this. But it's a bill that he will file as soon as the General Assembly session starts this year to amend the Firearms Preemption Act to allow not only the city of Indianapolis, but any other local government, any other city, county, you name it, to pass similar measures. And it would also include so-called safe storage laws. So that if I've got a pistol on my nightstand, but someone under 18 living under my roof, I go to jail. Again, an ordinance violation. Make any sense to you? Doesn't to me. 
I'm Guy Relford in for Tony Katz on Tony Cast Today. Raise a spoon to Grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the Play Play Slide. Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And participate in McDonald's for a limited time.